0: Hey, let's take our bowls <clears throat> this morning and turn to Genesis chapter 49. <clears throat> Genesis 49, <clears throat> excuse me. And let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord and Holy Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come now around your word Lord I pray that you would help us to come with hearts that are ready to receive from you I pray Lord that you would <clears throat> teach us this morning instruct us refresh us uh, through your word so that we might leave singing your praises and giving all glory and honors unto your name I pray Lord that you would empower me now through the spirit and that it would be your words this morning it will be your thoughts, that you give us understanding of the passage before us, and that, Lord, you would be honored and glorified now, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> of course, we've been going through <clears throat> Genesis chapter 49, and we've been looking at uh, Jacob's blessings for each of his sons, and we looked at the last one uh, last Sunday, Benjamin, that was the last of his sons that he addressed. And so he's now finished those words of blessing unto his sons, words that as we've seen, were more than just his dying wishes. These were prophetic revelation from the Lord, prophetic revelation concerning the 12 tribes of Israel. And verse 28 sums that up for us. It says, All these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is it that their father spake unto them and blessed them. Everyone according to his blessing he blessed them. And so he's finished these words of blessing to the 12 tribes of Israel, Uh, of course represented by his 12 sons and with these words of prophecy now complete jacob has one final set of instructions that he wants to give unto all of them collectively in preparation for his death now according to chapter 47 and verse 28 jacob is now 147 years old and he's spent the last 17 years in egypt let's just go back there chapter 47 chapter 47 and verse 28 it says and Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years so the whole age of Jacob was 147 years so he's 147 years old now he's been living in the land of Egypt for 17 of those years the final 17 years and they've been a time of great blessing for him not just because he's been reunited with Joseph his long-lost son the son that he loved but also because God has blessed him abundantly during this time. In chapter 47 there, verse 28, it says, uh, verse 27, sorry, it says, And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions therein and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And so this time of uh, in Egypt has been a time of great blessing for Jacob and indeed for his family. God has blessed him abundantly. You know, Jacob throughout his life had experienced his fear of, fair share of trials hadn't he he'd gone through a lot of trials a lot of hardship but he'd also seen that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him he'd seen that God keeps his word he'd seen that God is wonderful that God is a God of blessing he'd seen that in his own life and now as he approaches the time of his death Jacob's faith in God is still as strong as ever ever it hasn't diminished. And this is clear from his final set of instructions that he now gives unto his sons. This final set of instructions just before he departs this life in peace. So consider with me, first of all, here this morning, Jacob's burial instructions from verse 29 onwards. Jacob's burial instructions. Verse 29 says, And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people, Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before uh, Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. The purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. We see here Jacob's burial instructions unto his sons. He charges them here with these instructions. And this is not the first time that he's given this set of instructions. He actually gave very similar instructions to Joseph back in chapter 47. <clears throat> Just go back there. <clears throat> Chapter 47 and verse 29 says this, And the time drew nigh that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt, but I will lie with my fathers and thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And he said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him, and Israel bowed himself upon the bed's head. And so in chapter 47, Jacob had called for Joseph to come alone before him. And at this private audience, he'd given Joseph these instructions concerning his burial. And he made Joseph there swear promise that he would carry out these instructions. And now he gives those very same instructions under all 12 sons collectively you know by doing this he's making sure that his wishes are carried out isn't he you now it's not that he didn't trust joseph he did but by doing this he makes sure that the other sons go along with it You know, they don't fight against joseph they all know what their father's will is concerning his burial but, you know perhaps more importantly this also gives jacob a chance here one final time to testify of his faith unto his 12 sons See, in his instructions here, Jacob's faith in God is revealed in a couple of ways. His faith is first of all seen in his declaration there in verse 29. He says, I am to be gathered unto my people. There in verse 29, it says, And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people, burying me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. He makes this declaration he says i am to be gathered unto my people and with this statement here jacob demonstrates his his understanding his faith that there is life after death that's what he's demonstrating here with this very simple statement he's demonstrating his understanding that there is life after death that life continues see this phrase gathered unto my people was first seen in genesis 25 and verse 8 And it was in reference to Abraham. Go back there to Genesis 25 with me. Genesis 25 verse 8 says, Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And so we see this phrase first used here, Genesis 25, in relation to Abraham. And it was used after this also in relation to Ishmael and then also in relation to Isaac. And now it's going to be used in relation to Jacob. And it's a phrase that speaks clearly of going to the realm of the dead. It speaks clearly of being reunited with those who have gone before. Uh, One commentator said this, the phrase is uh, constantly distinguished from departing this life and being buried, it denotes the reunion in shol with friends who have gone before, and therefore presupposes faith in the personal continuance of a man after death. You see, this phrase speaks clearly of faith in life after death. This understanding, this belief. Now, of course, the realm of the dead was divided into two parts, wasn't it, in the Old Testament? It's divided into two parts. The the saved went to a temporary holding place of blessing. The unsaved were cast into hell. And Luke chapter 16 gives us the the clear understanding of that. Let's go over there. Luke chapter 16, and and our Lord teaches about the gulf, the great gulf between these two. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. It says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed sumptuously every day and there was a certain beggar named lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table moreover the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into abraham's bosom the rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lifted up his eyes Behold, uh, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, let me dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good, good, good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Messiah, all this between us and you, there is a great goal fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us which uh, that will come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, and may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the, and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Name Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, They hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. You know, Christ here makes it very clear that there's, you know, in the realm of the dead, there was two parts. There was the part of blessing where the unsaved went, Abraham's bosom it's called here. And this is where Abraham and the other Old Testament saints went. When they died, they went to Abraham's bosom. And they remain there, of course, because Christ had not yet died on the cross to pay for their redemption. But when he died, Ephesians 4 tells us that he led captivity captive, which suggests that he, he went and took those souls of the Old Testament saints to glory with him. And here in our present passage, uh, Jacob understands this. We see his understanding and his faith that when he died, he was going to this temporary place of blessing. He was going to be gathered unto His people. He's going to be gathered to those who had gone before Abraham's bosom. You see, he knew that a blessed reunion waited for him. That was his faith. That was his understanding. He knew a reunion waited for him with those who had gone before. You know, in particular, his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. But of course, all those who died in faith. Adam was there. Eve. Noah. All those who died before were there. And he was going to have this blessed reunion with his people. You know, for those of us who are saved, who know the Lord, we have the confidence that when we die, we're going to go directly to be with the Lord. Second Corinthians 5 tells us that. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians 5 and uh, we'll start back in verse 6. It says, Therefore we are always confident... Knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not not by sight. We are confident, I say, willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we die, our soul goes to be with Him. We're reunited with the Lord, but we're also reunited with all of our loved ones who've gone before, all those who have died in faith. That is our faith, isn't it? That is our confidence as believers that we'll have that blessed reunion. Now that is the source of our hope and peace in the face of death, isn't it? That confidence that we have that we'll go directly to be with the Lord and we'll have that blessed reunion. And you know, here we see Jacob had that same faith. He had that same faith and it meant that he had that same hope and peace as he faced the end of his life. He had peace here. And that peace was founded upon this faith that he had, he would be gathered unto His people. You know, we also see his faith revealed in the choice of burial place. Go back there to Genesis 49. Verse 29 says, And he charged them and said unto them, I'm to be gathered unto my people, bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittites, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place there they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife there they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife and there I buried Leah the purchase of the field and of that cave that is therein was from the children of Heth Jacob here makes it very clear to his sons as he had to Joseph on his own earlier he makes it very clear that he doesn't want to be buried in Egypt he wants to be buried in canaan this is his earnest desire that they would carry his body back to canaan and bury him in the same place as his fathers before him abraham and isaac and also their wives and leah he wants to be buried in that same cave that abraham had purchased you know it's important we understand here that this desire to be buried in canaan was motivated by more than just sentimental feeling it wasn't just that he wanted to be buried in the the same place you know, as, as them. It wasn't just that. It wasn't simply that he didn't like the Egyptian way of burial. You know, This request to be carried back to Canaan was a statement of faith by Jacob in the promises of God. It was a statement of faith. It was a statement of faith that one day God would give to his descendants the land of Canaan as a possession. He believed that by faith and so he wanted to be buried in that land's that God had promised them. You now, this was the promise that God had first made to Abraham and then he had reiterated unto Isaac and then finally unto Jacob. He reiterated this promise that the lamb would one day be their possession. They would inherit it. And they all believed this promise by faith, didn't they? Even though they never saw it fulfilled with their own eyes. You now the writer of Hebrews declares that they all died in faith not having received the promises. Let's go there, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 and verse 13. Hebrews 11 verse 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embrace them, and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. All right here it says they died in faith, not having seen the fulfillment, but they were persuaded that God would keep his promises, that God would fulfill his word. And here Jacob declares that faith to his children, doesn't he? He declares his faith in God's promise to give them the land. He declares it unto his sons with this desire to be buried in Canaan. Now it's truly wonderful, isn't it, to see Jacob here at the end of his life exhibit such faith in God. It's it's wonderful to see this, this saint that hasn't diminished in his faith. He hasn't lost track, lost sight of who God is and what God promises. Jacob is truly someone who finished his race well here on earth. His eyes were upon the Lord. His eyes were upon the promises of God. And he believed them firmly and he declares that unto his children. You know, beloved, may we all, like Jacob, finish our race well. Run our race well, but also finish well. May we, like Jacob, have a testimony of faith in God, faith in his promises. You know, a testimony that is evident to all those around us. A testimony like Jacob, evident to our children. May they see our faith now having issued his burial request declaring his unwavering faith in god jacob now passes peacefully into eternity just read with me verse 33 it says and when jacob had made an end of commanding his sons he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people he's made an end of it, this instructions unto his sons and He's been sitting on the side of the bed as he's done this and now it says that he gathers his feet back up into the bed so he lies back down and he has gathered unto his people. He goes to Abraham's bosom. He goes peacefully into eternity. You know, Butler wrote this, he said, The simple action of Jacob described here reflects grace in the way he died. He did not die complaining or fretting but simply left this life in a calm manner you know of course that calm and that peace came why because of his faith that's why he departed with such calmness that's such peace in his heart because of his faith in God and after he departs this world in peace Jacob's sons now are left with the task of obeying their father's instructions aren't they of carrying out these this funeral if you like that he has told them to do so let's consider here secondly Jacob's burial We've seen his burial instructions. Now let's look at his burial here in chapter 50, beginning in verse 1. It says, And Joseph fell upon his father's face, and wept upon him, and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed uh, embalmed Israel. And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die, in my grave which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan. There shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up, and bury thy father according as he made me swear. The account of Jacob's burial, his funeral here is actually quite lengthy compared to the other patriarchs before him. It's quite a lengthy passage here. It goes right down to verse 14 describing his, his burial here. You know, it begins in verse 1 with the touching scene of Joseph weeping over his father. That's how it all begins. Verse 1, it says, And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. It begins with Joseph here weeping over his father. He you know, his affection for his father is clear, isn't it? Joseph, is going to miss his father dearly. You know, you think about Joseph. He spent 17 years at the start of his life with his father and then he got 17 years at the end of his father's life. Everything in between, he missed out on. He missed out on those years with his dad. He missed out on that blessed time. But, and here he's weeping over his father. But of course, he's not weeping as the unsaved do with no hope. You know, first Thessalonians 4.13 says, We don't sorrow as the world because we have hope have hope, as we just talked about. He knew his father was gathered under his people. He's weeping because he's going to miss him. You know, after weeping and kissing his father goodbye, Joseph composes himself, and then he immediately sets about obeying his father's instructions, making the, the preparations, if you like, for his father's burial. And as we read these instructions here, as we read sorry, this account here, Of his burial. You know what stands out to us here is the great honor that Jacob is given here at his death. That's really what stands out from this passage the honor that is given to him at his death. And that honor begins with Joseph sparing no expense to make sure that his father's body is properly prepared. Look there in verse 2. It says, And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel and 40 days were fulfilled for him for so fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed and the Egyptians mourned for him 3 score and 10 days joseph here makes sure that his father's body is properly prepared now we know the egyptians were experts at embalming a body weren't they In preparing a body for burial and joseph here commands his personal physicians to oversee this to make sure that his father's body is properly prepared for this long journey that's ahead of them from egypt up to canaan and so he makes sure that it's done to the highest standards and we're told in verse 3 the, the whole process took 40 days you notice that says in verse 3 and 40 days were fulfilled for him so for so fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed this process took 40 days so there's no expense spared here is there in the preparation of the body and while this is all being done, while the body is being prepared by the physicians for burial, the whole of Egypt is mourning for Jacob. And we're told this continues, for 70 days they mourn for him. Verse 3 at the end there it says, And the Egyptians mourn for him threescore and ten days. For 70 days the whole nation of Egypt is mourning the loss of Jacob. That's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting because it speaks to us of the honor given unto him not just by his sons but the great honor that's given unto him by pharaoh and the egyptian nation this heathen nation you know according to historians this was the length of mourning that was given unto men of national importance commentator butler says this the egyptians mourned 72 days for their kings thus jacob was given great honor the Egyptians mourned only two days less for him than they did for their own kings. You see, Jacob, the pilgrim shepherd from Canaan, is greatly honored here by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They mourn for him almost as long as they do for one of their kings. Now, this speaks to us of just how highly they regarded Jacob and his family. You know, at the end of those 70 days of mourning, Joseph and his brothers are determined to obey their father's request and determined to go up to Canaan and bury their father. But in order to leave on such a long journey, they're going to need permission from Pharaoh, aren't they? And so Joseph here sends a request under Pharaoh seeking permission. Look in verse 4. It says, When the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, my father have made me swear, saying, Lo, I die, in my grave which I have digged for me in the land of Cain, and there shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. Now we might wonder here in verses 4 and 5 why it is that Joseph doesn't go in himself. In verse 4 it says that he, he speaks unto the house of Pharaoh, he speaks to Pharaoh's officials and asks them to relay the request for him. Now, why doesn't Joseph go in himself? After all, he was the second in command over all of Egypt. He had a good relationship with Pharaoh. Why didn't he go in himself and talk to Pharaoh directly? Well, there are a few suggestions as to why. But the most logical is because he was defiled. He was considered defiled because he'd been around his father's dead body and he, he's in a time of mourning. And so he was considered defiled and therefore not able to come before the king. That is the, the most logical explanation as to why he doesn't go himself. And so instead, he asked these court officials, the house of Pharaoh, he asked these men to relay the request for him. And upon hearing Joseph's request, Pharaoh readily agrees to let them go. But he goes beyond just saying, off you go, go and do what you've got to do. He goes beyond that and he basically orders that Jacob is to be given a state funeral. Look in verse 6 with me. It says, And Pharaoh said, Go up. And bury thy father according as he had made thee swear. And Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the house of Joseph, and his brethren, and his father's house, only their little ones, and their flocks, and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And they went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company." Basically here, um, Joseph is told to give his father a state funeral. That's basically what happens here. Joseph and his brothers, as they set out to bury their father to make the journey back to Canaan, they're not alone. With them now is this grand procession, funeral procession. In verse 7, we're told that Pharaoh sends with Joseph his servants and it includes the elders of the house and the elders of Egypt. Just read verse 7 again. So, and Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and the elders of the land of Egypt. Now the elders of the house, they are the senators, the, the counsellors, the officials of states. They're all those ones that serve within Pharaoh's courts. The elders of the land are the governors of the provinces and the cities, the leaders of the army. You see, this is all the, the officials, basically. They're all told to go on this procession, this grand procession, back to Canaan with Joseph and his, his brethren. In verse 8, we're told that they accompany all of Joseph's house and his father's house. It says in verse 8 there, And all the house of Joseph and his brethren and his father's house, only their little ones and their flocks and their herds, left, they left in the land of Goshen. <clears throat> basically everyone in the family goes as well. Not just a few. Everyone goes, makes this journey back to Canaan to pay their respects. The only ones who don't go are the very youngest in the family. And then finally in verse 9, we are told that this funeral procession has a military escort as well. It says in verse 9, And they went up with him both chariots and horsemen. And it was a very great company. This is a long journey. And this procession now has protection they have a military escort as well and it's not just there for protection it also adds grandeur too doesn't it And honor to the procession you have this military escort on either side as they proceed out up to canaan you know altogether this constitutes a tremendous funeral procession doesn't it you read through the list and verse 9 sums it up it says and it was a very great company this is a great company this is a grand procession given to jacob It must have been some sight to behold as they all departed Egypt and they made their way across the Sinai Desert, around the south of the Dead Sea and up to the eastern shore of the Jordan River. And it was there that they stopped at the threshing floor of Atad. And they mourned for Jacob a further seven days. Look in verse 10. It says, And they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan, and there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. And he made a, mo- made a mourning for his father seven days. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, this is a, ver- a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Wherefore, the name of it was called Abel uh, Mizraim, which is beyond Jordan. You now In verse 11, it's clear that this funeral procession is noticed, isn't it? It's noticed by the neighbouring nations, in particular here by the Canaanites, they notice this funeral procession. They notice what's going on. And in verse 11, we see their response. They, They said, this is a very grievous mourning to the Egyptians. In other words, they were impressed by what they saw. They were impressed. And they concluded that the Egyptians had lost someone very special to them, lost someone very dear to them, someone of great importance for them to make such a journey with this great procession, and to make such a lamentation for him, he must have been someone of great importance. So the point is, the Egyptians here honored Jacob greatly at his death. You now, this is something that normally would have only been reserved for the kings, and yet here they show it to Jacob, this pilgrim from Canaan. And the funeral then concludes with the sons of Jacob making the journey across Jordan, into Canaan on their own. Look in verse twelve. It says, And his sons did unto him according as he had commanded them. Uh, for his sons carried him into the land of Canaan, and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with a field for possession of a burying place of Ephron the Hittite before Mamre. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. Concludes with the sons now crossing the Jordan River, and it seems like they go across on their own for this last bit of the journey. And as requested, they bury their father in the cave there at Machpelah, in the cave which Abraham had purchased. And with the burial complete, they then proceed to return home to Egypt. They carried out their father's instructions, they honored him in his death. You know, all the way through this funeral account here, the thing that stands out is how greatly Jacob was honored at his death not just by his family but by Pharaoh and the Egyptians you now his body was prepared at great cost for the journey the whole nation mourned for him 70 days he's given a state funeral by Pharaoh with a grand procession traveling all the way to Canaan you Now the question we must ask here is why why was Jacob of all people honored so greatly by a heathen nation the answer of course is joseph isn't it the answer is joseph it was joseph's godly character it was joseph's testimony before the egyptians that brought this great honor unto his father Butler notes this the egyptians honored jacob because of the way his son joseph had lived joseph's holy conduct through the years, even when he was despised, ultimately caused others to want to glorify his Father. The actions of the Son brought glory and honor to the Father. The actions of the Son brought glory and honor unto the Father. And there's a lesson in that, isn't there? There's a lesson in that for us today. Because you see, we are God's children. And we're representing the Lord here on earth. Beloved, how we behave, how we conduct ourselves directly affects the honour and glory that our Heavenly Father receives from men around us. You see, when we, as His children, fail to maintain a godly testimony, we bring shame upon our Heavenly Father. Rather than drawing men to Him, we turn men away from Him. Rather than bringing praise and glory to His name, it brings reproach upon his name and reproach upon the name of Christ. You see, when we maintain a godly testimony before men, it leads others to honor and glorify our heavenly Father. Now, Peter speaks about this very truth in 1 Peter 2. Just turn over with me. 1 Peter 2 and verse 11. Says dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, when our conversation, our conduct, is honourable before men. The unsaved will see it and will glorify God. They will glorify our Father. Now this morning we've seen both Jacob's testimony of faith at the end of his life and we've also seen the effect of the godly testimony of his son, Joseph. And beloved, may we learn from the example of both of these men. Now may we, like Jacob, have a testimony of faith right throughout our life. May we, like Joseph, bring glory and honor unto our Heavenly Father by our actions each and every day. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you this morning for the testimony of faith of Jacob at the end of his life. And Lord, the testimony of his son, Joseph, and the honor it brought to his father. Lord, I pray that our lives would bring glory and honor unto your name as our Heavenly Father. May, Lord, our testimony be evident unto men around us each and every day. Lord, help us to honor you. Help us to glorify you before men. We pray these things in Jesus' name.